Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. So, all right, let's talk about Build by Partner. Um, product managers frequently go through this um, this uh, um, decision point in, in their career. Um, um, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, building a product strategy for a specific product line that you're just coming in, in, into and you're kind of faced with the build by partner, are you going to build a solution? Are you going to buy, or are you going to partner? Um, and then kind of, what does that look like for each, um, decision you have to make, or have you guys been a part of those in the past? So let's start with that as a question. Is my daughter really loud? She's probably really loud. Okay. Um, let's start with that as a question. Who has gone through a decision around a build by partner? And can you talk a little bit more about that? I've definitely been a part, like I've definitely had it come up a few times. We, we've looked at a couple of different partners, smaller ones for, for Ibotta, all different kind of features and functionality that they have that might be relevant to the extension. And so far we haven't really made a concrete Build, well, we've made concrete, let's build it purchases. Um, but usually speaking, I think this kind of comes up usually when one of two things happens. One is that the company you're looking at has a bit of strategic intellectual property that it would take you more time to build or recreate than you could just get it immediately. And secondly, they have something that maybe you want to lock the competition out of getting. So you're going to kind of, uh, you know, make it so they can't actually have it. So I think that's kind of what generally tends to come for that particular question. But that being said, the builder by equation usually, and I'm working with one of uh, one of my PMs directly on this actually today and, and so yesterday, doing financial modeling to assess the cost in the long run of what a particular piece of technology gets us, what its value to the company and the organization is, and ultimately whether or not it's worth our time to implement. And I think if that equation is, it's really worth it to implement, it's really expensive to build and we're probably going to get it wrong, then buying becomes a very attractive option. Yeah, I've been a part of a, um, an acquisition where I went to do due diligence on the company. And so, you know, I, I don't know if you guys have been a part of that as well, but that was a, that was a whole nother experience that I've never um, done before prior to that uh, moment. And uh, it was pretty fun. I, I like that kind of evaluating the product, evaluating the technology a little bit, seeing if that applies to, to the, uh, the, the bet or strategic bet that we're trying to make, if that falls into exactly what we're looking for. Um, and then Lou, like, like you said, does it make financially sense? Um, can we build it ourselves? 
what's the investment time? Is this a timely thing? Like, do we need this today? Or can we wait to invest over, you know, six months to a year and hire, build the team out, build the product out and achieve product market fit. And is that okay? Uh, I think there's always, it's a, that, that's the questions you kind of have when you're kind of looking at these build by partner decisions. And I, I've gone through similar ones that I bought a, um, where we, we leaned on the, um, the build versus the buy. And we, we did a pretty uh, thorough analysis of that. So we, we interviewed partners, we kind of, um, tested prototype solutions. Um, and we kind of, you know, from the engineering side, assessed the technology and kind of built out a strategy and plan to build that would get us incremental value as opposed to, um, just having this day one, um, because that was kind of the, the strategy that we needed to implement at the time. But let's, let's unpack that a little bit more. Like what are the criteria that, that you guys have used in the past to evaluate build by partner decisions. I've heard a couple things. I've heard strategic relevance heard kind of like innovation, right? Like preventing the competition from having it. I think another one that I've been piecing out from what you guys have been saying is like time to market requirements. Um, like how fast do you need to get a solution to market? Like what else, what else have you considered? Yeah. Like core competency is one, right? Like, is, is it, is it a part of our core competency as a company and should it be like, should this be the thing that we specialize in or, or is it more, um, relevant to have the partner that does specialize in it, um, continue to do that. And we just leverage their service until it becomes too costly to, to manage. Yeah. I think Jake hit on all the relevant ones there. Actually just, this made me think of a funny thing about where, where this was a total failure was when Cisco bought flip video. I'm not sure if y'all remember that one, but they bought that little crappy camera company thing for like uh, 70, $80 million. And it became a total failure because Cisco didn't really know what they were doing in the video space. And, you know, that's, that's an example of where is not a great idea, right? It's outside of core competency. I think people sometimes also make acquisition choices because they assume that it's going to bring you incremental value and incremental revenue to your organization as a whole, when you're kind of getting to that conglomerate level. But I think from a product management standpoint, what you're looking there, there, I think that kind of gets into two categories, right? There's a corporate strategic acquisition where you're doing it because of corporate strategy. There's also a product-based strategic acquisition where you're doing it because it's going to help enhance your product or, you know, provide you with something, a feature set, a uh, bit of information that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And I think all of the things Jake mentioned come into it. Is it the right time does us buying this technology or this feature or this thing get us to market that much quicker? And as a result, you know, maybe we're not going to see the gains in year one, but year three, we're going to be, you know, two, three X uh, ROI where we want to be um, just because we have to market that much quicker. So I think there's, yeah, a lot I think then that's different pieces. at the different stages, right? Because if mm -hmm. you're a smaller company and you think that the, you know, you're projecting that you're not getting gains until three years out, things can change, especially in a startup in that young of a company. And, you know, your strategy can change. You have new learnings and you, you care about different things and that can completely uh, ruin the investment that you made three years ago. Um, so, uh, I've definitely been a part of some of those conversations, um, where, you know, no longer, the team's no longer worth, um, being invested in the products no longer invested in because of new learnings that we've had in the market and we pivoted. Right. So I'm, I'm curious to see like, in, in terms of like the build, any decisions that you guys have made from a build by partner that have gone wrong and that you would have 
done a different uh, way if you would have known retrospectively. Yeah, it's kind of curious because I feel like we're talking in many ways about larger acquisitions. And I think the more common builder buy solution that you run into is, can we bring a small contracted firm in to build a very specific or limited feature for us over a six month period? Or if you're a really small startup, hey, we only have 10 engineers. What if we just hire a contracting company and essentially double our engineers so that we can build you know these features quickly? Uh, in both cases, I've found that people dramatically underestimate how difficult it is to not only implement, but to integrate to kind of what we've been talking about and to really project manage that integration as well. Um, as a product manager, too frequently we're like, oh, okay, I'll have my hands in the pot of whatever is going on. Oh, if, hey, if this contractor is building it, I'll give them the requirements and stuff like that. But then you kind of step out of it too often. And so if you're not deeply involved as closely as if it were your own squad or your own feature, too often it's not quite what you expect. You've now run over budget. So now you're like, well, we need another hundred grand or you're suddenly saying, well, now the, the current devs have to finish the feature set that was started, but never completed. So it's kind of the, the watch out on the time and, and how you're integrating. I'm going to give an example of actually where it worked out really well. Uh, well, where it would have worked out really well. <laughs> I was working with a company and we were redesigning a new set of um, electric power meters and the time that it took us to build and re-engineer something that frankly every large power company in the world had been doing for the last 20 years um you know it was a thing that we really wanted to do it in-house we wanted to have our own special you know special feature set etc but realistically we probably would have been better off just going out and buying what was on the market and turning that in because it would have caught it would have cost less both from an R&D and a per unit basis, it would have cost less. The maintenance would have been less and the um, ability for us to just get to market and get to revenue quicker uh, would have been far quicker. So I, it's kind of, a, it's an interesting piece because Patrick kind of hit the nail on the head there that, you know, in some cases it's great to build it yourself. In other cases, it's actually, it's better to buy it. Um, you know, and I think the the real determination comes down to that technical risk um, that Patrick was alluding to, right? Where's your real technical risk? Can you actually solve the problem, and how much time does it really take you or somebody else to solve it? Yeah, and has somebody else already solved the problem, right? Like, is it it has it been commoditized? Um, and if you're if you're rebuilding something, or if you, if you decide to build something that is read, readily available on the market from a variety of different suppliers, then you're probably investing in the wrong thing. Um, if that's kind of a step, if that's a stepping stone to something that's more innovative and becomes something a little bit more, I think Kevin, to your point earlier, of a core competency, then yeah, then, then that becomes interesting. But I think what I come back to with this kind of decision is you're, you're buying something, right? You're buying time to market, you're buying strategic um, opportunity, you're buying a defensive position of kind of keeping someone else from having a particular piece of technology, or you're, you're buying, you're, you're investing in your own um, people, right? You're investing that time, that, that blood and treasure into building out a solution. So there's all, there's some investment somewhere. I think sometimes people may think like, Oh, we can just buy it. And it's just kind of like, 
uh, kind of getting it for, for cheaper is like, no, you're still paying a lot in some shape or form, no matter what you're doing. So it's, it's really kind of what's the outcome of that decision you're trying, trying to achieve. That's probably the most poignant point there in terms of how does one prioritize or make that decision? It really is based upon the variables that you have. If capital isn't the, if capital isn't the issue, maybe it's time. If time isn't the issue, maybe it is that you have a capital problem. If it's if it's experience and knowledge, you know that is also something to weigh in. Does your team? Do you guys have the experience or knowledge to solve the particular problem? And yeah, I mean that's a it's a good point because at the end of the day, you are trying to optimize for something. There's a particular piece that we're looking at right this second, a potential partnership. And the builder buy discussion is this kind of minor feature. We have assumptions of what it'll do. We think we know how much it'll cost us. But the reality is that we also don't, what we've realized is that the opportunity cost for us of trying to build it ourselves would lock up a team from doing other, you know, important work for a long period of time. And as a result, it might make sense to purchase in the short term, and then maybe engineer in the long run, which is also a potential strategy. I'm curious to know, um, I feel like product managers lean more towards build. I know I do because you have more control over some of those decisions and, you know, it's, it's, you're kind of contributing to it, but I'm curious to see what you guys' take are uh, on that. I think I agree. I think for PMs, it feels less risky to your point, like you have more control over it. And it's like, there's less sticker shock because your investment is being completed over time, as opposed to like, I'm gonna go sign a really fat check. And oh boy, if this messes up, that's not gonna feel good. Um, whereas like, you're kind of doing the same thing with your with your squad or your team, but it's just being dragged out over weeks or months. Um, so yeah, I think, I think PMs would definitely bias towards the build build decision. But yeah, Patrick, what do you think? Yeah, I would definitely agree with it. I think for pretty much the same reasons you put down, I think the other factor that uh, too frequently we forget about and then kind of bites us is if you're integrating, especially with a much larger third party, is they have their own roadmaps, they're going to have their own dependencies. Um, I think, you know, since I'm pretty heavy in the acquisition space, we're seeing it right now with what Apple is doing with IDFA, basically disrupting the entire ad space and everybody is scrambling to try and figure out a solution. Obviously that's not really an integration, but we integrated with a bunch of third parties in order to help with a lot of our user acquisition, our ad revenue and kind of the ad placement. And so as a consequence, they're now saying like, we need this new SDK, hey, you need to do this. Hey, can you like do a wrapper around this message? All the things that you wouldn't anticipate in the builder buy scenario. Now it's like, well, if we had an in-house solution, you probably still would be dealing with it, but it would feel like it was a sense of urgency for the whole company and not necessarily for just this partner. I think there's a, um, I'm trying to remember, there's a, I was reading a product management book and there's, I think you're right, Jake, there's a bias from even people who are product leaders to say, you should build if you have, if you can, was, uh, I think it was an article I was reading the other day and it was basically, if you can, you should build it because then it becomes a core competency. The roadmap is something you control. Just the same things Patrick was mentioning. I think the, I think I, I might lean a little bit more toward buying when I get a chance to. Um, and that's probably, I think that's from 
having some poor experiences of trying to build it myself in many, many ways. Uh, a lot of uh, startup fails and other things because you try to reinvent the wheel and when in reality you would have been better served just by going and buying a piece of tech. And even if it messes with your numbers a little bit, your margin at the get-go, you can always become more competent in it later, right? Like that's the thing I think you know, we're not sometimes willing to be patient. We want to have all the core competencies now. Um, when in reality, as kind of Jake said plenty of times, what problem are you truly trying to solve? And is it that we're trying to become a master of this one micro domain that some other company is perfect at? Or is it that we just need to solve a short-term problem and we can get to becoming a master of that domain later? Yeah, I think like look at your customers. What problems are they dealing with and how is this going to help them solve those problems? And is this other company or solution solving that problem well? Or, you know, by acquiring, um, maybe you can make it better. Uh, or you, by adding it to your solution, it, it helps solve your customer's needs as opposed to the market's customer needs. But looking at your own customer problems and just a answering those questions, right? How is this going to solve? And, and is it worth solving right now or is it worth solving down the road in terms of time, right? Yeah, I think timing is super important. The other, the other thing too is like, what's your strategy, right? I think kind of by extension of your point there, Kevin, about your customer's problems, like is it a technology problem? Is it a product problem? Is it a distribution problem? Um, is it a positioning problem? Like there are lots of different problems and that'll definitely inform the build by partner decision. I think the other thing that I've been thinking about just listening, listening to you guys kind of unpack some of these ideas is having a really clear understanding of what your scarce resource is. I think Lou, you were touching on this a little bit too. Like, is your, is your scarce resource time? Is it capital? Is it know-how? And, and making sure that is helping inform your decision as well, because you'll generally want to protect that scarce resource, I would think. To uh, slightly alter the conversation a bit, I think we've probably covered a fair amount of kind of how to enter into the mo mental you know, model of what you're doing and kind of how to frame it. Now, let's move the hypothetical to the, the challenge I think a lot of us run into, which is dealing with leadership and a sticker shock problem. Now that you've essentially said, hey, I'm moving into a buy scenario. This place or this feature or this company are willing to sell us integrate with us, but it's going to run us $500,000 for this next year with escalating costs over the next few years. How do you take that presentation? How do you sell that to leadership? Get really good um, at business cases. Yeah. I was going to say that's actually almost a scenario where we're trying, where we're about to be in right now with a particular feature and uh, financial modeling is as thorough, like as diligent as you can be with the data that you have on this particular integration. If you think the integration and the data lines up that it's going to give you a, you know, a cost, a cost improvement, a, a, you know, an ROI improvement, et cetera, you want to document that out two, one, two, three years versus the cost to prove that it's going to give you the benefits that you think it's going to give you. I don't think anybody will really question it. If you walk in and say, Hey, I know how we can spend half a million dollars and we're going to get five in return over three years. I don't think somebody's going to really question you on that unless your numbers are crap. So, um, what I was planning on approaching this current situation was, is we've gone ahead and we've built kind of a rough financial model to know what terms maybe we should have in a contract. 
then what we're going to do is talk to the company and say, okay, would these terms be acceptable? And we also want a three month trial period so that we can do an integration to get data to inform whether or not we should get this forward. So I think everybody can agree if the trial period is free, right? And the cost of implementation, like the level of effort to implement is low. It's not a one, two month effort. It's like a week, two weeks. Um, trying it out is nothing anybody would ever fault you for. Because then you can come back with real data, real estimates, real projections. And guess what, if it doesn't work, you can just cancel the cancel your contract and say, yes, this did not work. It did not meet the recommendations and we're not going to pay for it and walk away. And I think that's what you need to build yourself into is it's not a question of, is it a binary? Maybe you need to convince leadership on step A, which is we're gonna invest a little time to try it out. Then we're gonna, then we're gonna see how the numbers came out. Then we're gonna make our projections and make our recommendation. That's a great point, Lou. I think with all the build by partner decisions, you're kind of making a lot of assumptions, right? Financial modeling goes into that, but those are still assumptions that you're making, right? So with that, how can you kind of validate those assumptions up front in lightweight costs, like the trial periods, like uh, prototyping something or, or, you know, getting something out in front of a user, just asking them questions, right? Like how can you validate those assumptions that go into the financial model to make this decision um, to really inform which path you take? Uh, and it might not always be cut and dry that it's always this one, but at least, you know, if you can validate those assumptions, it should give you a little bit more direction and more confidence to make the decision of saying, well, here's my assumptions and I'm 75% confident in those because of X, Y, Z. We did, we ran these tests. We got this in front of the users. We got feedback from, we got people signing up for this, right. And, and, and ahead of time. So um, what homework would you give to our listeners around build by partner decisions? Really, I think it comes down to envision yourself, identify some of those key points that would require build and buy kind of decision, run through kind of the exercise of how would you justify it? What kind of financial gain? You know, what are your scarce resources? I think even just doing that as a kind of a, a lightweight construct instead of having to do it all on paper will kind of give you the clear insight into kind of what you're looking forward to or not as you step into some of these decisions. Yeah, I love that. I would I would offer two things, one super big picture and one more small picture. I think first on the small picture is for your next roadmap item, just ask yourself, should we build this? Should we buy something or should we partner with somebody? And just go through that mental exercise along the lines of what Patrick just described. Uh, and just to just go through that mental exercise. Uh, and then on a, on a really big scale, Uber just acquired Drizzly. Why'd they do that? And just try to think through like they, that's, that's just a, that's a classic build by partner scenario, just on a massive scale. And there are definite reasons for why Uber decided to buy Drizzly as opposed to build out alcohol delivery themselves. Yeah. I'd say recognize, I agree with Jake on, and Patrick on everything there. I'd say recognize that it's an option, right? Like I think sometimes product managers, we don't think about that as an option, but the reality is you should be, you should, kind of as Jake said, look at your next initiative or maybe couple initiatives and think, is there an opportunity where X amounts of weeks can be saved if we just purchased a piece of technology and run yourself through the exercise? Um, you might find out no, you might find out yes. Yeah, and you, you don't have to be a product manager to do this. If you're an aspiring product manager, even just thinking of something that um, can solve a customer problem and, and just going through that, that mental model and, and exercise, um, document it, 
um, learn from that exercise. And then you have something like this under your belt of like, yeah, I made this decision or, you know, I I've went through the exercise. I've understood it. Even if you can't, if you don't have the play money to actually go do these things. And then when you get to that phase, you already have exercised some of these muscles. So then when you're in the role, you can actually start ap- applying that, um, those exercises, uh, yeah, the muscles that you've, you've exercised, but great. Well, um, thank you so much for listening. Um, rate, subscribe us on iTunes, all the podcasting platforms, um, share us out, tell us a story about, uh, your bill by partner decision. Um, as much detail as you can, uh, confidently go into, uh, to share out to, to the network, do that on LinkedIn. It's very, uh, that's a good portal, uh, platform for us to kind of share the news. Um, and looks like we finished up all of our coffee. So go level up. Oh,